Good morning. And I do mean that. It is a great morning, folks. June the 22nd, 2023, the first full day of summer. And for me, it is Christmas in June. Good morning, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We're presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. Why is it Christmas in June for me on this first day, first full day anyway, of summer? Marcus Smart is no longer a member of the Boston Celtics. Can you believe it? Nine long years of enduring Marcus Smart in green, and he has been shipped to Memphis. He'll be joining the Memphis Grizzlies. Marcus Smart, no longer a member of the Boston Celtics. And that's reason enough for me to be happy. I said to anyone who listened years ago that the Red Sox would never win a World Series with J.D. Martinez in the middle of their lineup. Well, that, they proved me wrong. They did win in 2018 with J.D. in the lineup. Now he's gone. I said the Bruins would never win a Stanley Cup with Tuka Rask as their number one goaltender. They did not. He's gone. I said the Celtics would never win a championship with Marcus Smart in their regular lineup. And he's gone. So now, no excuses. No excuses for any of these teams. Now, what did the Celtics get in return? Got a pretty good player from the Washington Wizards in a three-way deal. Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis. Kristaps Porzingis. Who was drafted in the NBA in 2015, by the way. So he's been around a while, played for a few teams. And really, this past season with the Washington Wizards, started to find his groove. So Kristaps Porzingis is the newest name that you have to become familiar with if you're a fan of the Boston Celtics. And I will read you uh, an article uh, published today at 1.51 a.m. in the Boston Globe by Adam Himmelsbach. Most of Wednesday, it appeared the Celtics were on the verge of completing a three-team trade that would bring Wizards center Kristaps Porzingis to Boston and send guard Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. I would have been disappointed about that because uh, Brogdon was one of the key figures in the Celtics' great regular season. Sixth man of the year in the NBA was Malcolm Brogdon. Now, he did get injured in the playoffs, and was not nearly as effective, but that was due to a, a physical 
issue. I think he will bounce back. But that deal, Brogdon for Porzingis, crumbled Wednesday night when the Clippers' concerns about the forearm strain that uh, limited Brogdon in the playoffs led them to back out of the deal, putting a trade for Porzingis in jeopardy. And that's about the time I went to bed last night when the Clippers bowed out of the Brogdon-Porzingis deal. And I said, fine, I I like Brogdon. That's great. Porzingis uh, faced a a midnight deadline to opt into his $36 million player option for next season, a necessary step to allow the Celtics to complete a deal for him. But about 15 minutes before time expired, the Celtics and Wizards pulled the Grizzlies in for a stunning, a stunning, I should say, and seismic transaction that will send the longest tenured Celtic, Marcus Smart, to Memphis. According to league sources, Boston will also send forwards Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari to Washington in the three-team deal. Boston will receive the Grizzlies' first-round pick, number 25 overall, in tonight's NBA draft. They move up in the draft as well. And they will also get, through Memphis, the Warriors' first-round pick in the 2024 draft. Lastly, the Celtics traded the number 35 overall pick in Thursday's draft to Washington, and the Wizards got guard Tyus Jones from Memphis. Now, the addition of the 7'3 Porzingis, a 27-year-old former All-Star who just completed the best season of his career, reshapes this franchise and gives Coach Joe Mazzulla one of the league's most unique offensive weapons. But the reverberations from trading smart, the 2021-22 NBA Defensive Player of the Year who has been the heartbeat of this team for years will be significant. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Things will be significantly different for the better, in my opinion. Uh, Smart, the sixth overall pick of the 2014 draft, was the first key piece of Boston's swift rebuild following the Paul Pierce Pierce and Kevin Garnett era. Uh, I'm reading now from uh, from the article verbatim. His intensity and toughness helped define the flawed but gritty Celtics teams early in Brad Stevens' tenure as coach. And he morphed into a talented playmaker, often pointing out that after playing alongside former All-Star point guards Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, and Kemba Walker, he was the first to lead the Celtics to the NBA Finals, as he did in 2022. I wouldn't exactly say he led them to the Finals. They they were in the Finals. Uh, Whether or not he led them to the Finals is uh, very subjective. He was active in the community. Give him credit for that. Dyed his hair green and seemed to fully embrace being a Celtic as much as any player in recent memory. But rosters and paths shift suddenly in the NBA. And now Smart is gone. Gone, folks. 
His departure clears the way for Derek White, a breakout star of this year's playoffs. To become the full-time starting point guard, White's finest moment came in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat when his last-second putback improbably forced a Game 7 and kept alive Boston chances, Boston's chances of becoming the first NBA team to ever overcome a 3-0 series deficit, of course, uh, that did not happen. They lost Game 7 at the TD Garden, and that defeat may have set Wednesday's chain of events in motion. I'm almost glad they lost now. Believe it or not, I'm almost glad they lost that Game 7 to Miami. Otherwise, uh, they, they would have lost the finals anyway to Denver. Otherwise... Everything would be hunky-dory with the Celtics. Said they won that game seven against Miami, but they lost. And now, in retrospect, I'm happy about that. Uh, Brogdon, meanwhile, appears a slotted to return to his sixth-man role after appearing to be on the way out. The Clippers' uh, recoil will raise new questions about Brogdon's health and whether he will ultimately need, sur- need surgery on his injured forearm. But... The Celtics entered the offseason focused on reducing the congestion in their backcourt and adding to their frontcourt, and this trade has certainly done that. Celtics could have simply walked away when the Clippers backed out of the three-team deal Wednesday, but Stevens, the president of basketball operations, attacked the situation with urgency, clearly viewing Porzingis as a key piece who could help the Celtics take the final step that has eluded them. Now, Porzingis, no stiff, that's for sure. He uh, rose to fame with the Knicks before an uneven stretch with the Mavericks, and this past season bounced back with an excellent year in Washington. He averaged 23.2 points, 8.4 rebounds, and a block and a half per game while shooting 38.5% from the three-point line, and he's seven feet three. Oh, man, I'll tell you. This is a great day, in my humble opinion, for the Boston Celtics. Get this, folks. There were only three players in the NBA last year to average more than 20 points and at least one block per game. Those players, MVP of the playoffs this year and NBA champion Nikola Jokic, MVP of the regular season in the NBA, Joel Embiid of the 76ers, and Kristaps Porzingis, now of the Boston Celtics. Kristaps Porzingis will be wearing green. And Marcus Smart will be a grizzly. We'll take a break. Get on to uh, more stuff. Neil Levesque will join us at 8.35. We even have another uh, entry into the Republican presidential field to tell you about. Right after these words, Kale and Company right here, WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Kale and Company live right here. 
WKXLNHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Tomorrow, the Friday Fun Bunch will be here in full. Kitty Ray, Tom Raffio, and myself will bring donuts and uh, hang out here. And uh, I will continue to be celebrating the departure of Marcus Smart. Now, Marcus played hard. And listen, he, he did play hard. He played some pretty good defense when he wanted to. He was the defensive player of the year last season. It's funny about that, though. He was the NBA's defensive player of the year for the 2021-22 season. And then when the defensive teams were named by the NBA at the conclusion of the 2022-2023 regular season, he was not among the top three teams. Fifteen players that they deemed were better defenders than the defensive player of the year the year before. And what really, I'm sure, galled Marcus Smart was that his teammate, Derek White, made the, I believe, second or third all-defensive team. That must have really galled him, and he didn't didn't make it at all. Uh, Smart, after winning the Defensive Player of the Year honors uh, the year before. But anyway, he's gone. We don't have to worry about him anymore, and uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I was on the verge, honestly. I've been saying to people who know me for months, years, that the Celtics, in order to win a, have a chance to win a championship, they have got to divest themselves of, to put it nicely, of Marcus Smart. They finally have. And it's a great day. Celtics fans should be very happy. I, I have been, uh, you know, Marcus Smart, uh, you know, he has some very good attributes to his game. He hustles. He dives for loose balls. He, he plays defense when he wants to, like, like, like most players in the NBA. But the fact of the matter is, if you pay close attention to Marcus Smart, you know he takes more key shots down the stretches of ball games than he should. He shouldn't take any because he's a terrible three-point shooter. Those shots should belong to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or Derek White. Those are the three guys they should have belonged to. Any clutch situation down the stretch, it should have been them shooting the ball and not Marcus Smart. Yes, has he made clutch threes? He has. But when you put up, you know, many, many, many three-point shots in clutch situations, you're going to make one once in a while. And now you've got one of the top three-point shooters in the league at 7-3, Kristaps Porzingis. Now, if he can stay healthy and team with Brown, Tatum, White, Horford, Williams... I think the Celtics should be in for a pretty good ride. And uh, they don't have Marcus Smart to blame anymore. And 
we'll see what happens once uh, training camp begins. The regular season gets underway in late October, early November. Doesn't look like uh, Grant Williams is going to be back uh, with the Celtics. The deal for Porzingis will likely signal the end of forward Grant Williams' time in Boston. Last fall, uh, Williams was seeking a four-year extension worth approximately $54 million, but the two sides were unable to agree on terms. Uh, Williams is a very good player. It would have been nice to have him around on the roster, but I guess the price was too much, and the Celtics have two max salaries uh, coming up in Brown and Tatum and nearly a third in Porzingis. So they are going to be uh, cutting corners wherever possible because of the big three that they have now in Brown, Tatum, and Porzingis. And don't forget Derek White, who may all the way around be uh, the best player of all of them, really. Uh, The way he performed pound for pound, inch for inch, there's no doubt that Derek White is the best player on the Boston Celtics. Uh, But uh, Tatum and Brown and uh, Porzingis, will be regarded anyway as the big three of the Boston roster. So there you go. All right, enough harping on Marcus Smart, but it is kind of Christmas in June for me today. So anyway, I'm sure we'll talk more about it tomorrow when Tom and Kitty are here. But you know what gets underway today and and, uh, very shortly? And that is Market Days in downtown Concord. And they have put together another lineup of terrific music. Of course, there's uh, all kinds of food and other fun as well. And uh, today, by the way, June 22nd, 2023, is National Onion Rings Day. National Onion Rings Day. And you know where you can find good onion rings today, and that will be in downtown Concord as part of the Market Days celebration. They always have onion rings. I like the, the thin, crispy ones myself. I'm not I'm not a big fan of the onion rings with a lot of coating on them. I like the thin, crispy onion rings. So if I see any of those today while I'm uh, traversing uh, Main Street in downtown Concord, uh, I will I will purchase them. And put some ketchup on them. Not much. Not just a little. Just a little ketchup on the onion rings. Uh, they have great music. Lucas Gallo has once again put together a tremendous, a tremendous lineup of music for Market Days in downtown Concord, which will uh, officially get underway at about 10 o'clock this morning. There's going to be music at Eagle Square. South Main Street, South Main Stage, which is uh, very close to the Red River Theater and O's, and also uh, music at Bicentennial Square as well. That's the homegrown stage at Bicentennial Square. Eagle Square will have music starting at 1 o'clock today. The South Main Stage will have music starting at noon today. And uh, music on the homegrown stage will start at 3.30 this afternoon. And at 6.30 tonight, Lucas Gallo himself will be performing. Lucas Gallo and friends 
at uh, 6.30 tonight and 8 to 9.30 at uh, Bicentennial Square. It will be the group known as Trade, and uh, they are very, very good. Scott, Scott Solsky and uh, other members of that band uh, put on a uh, terrific show, and there'll be uh, local music all three days at three different locations. Hey, and tomorrow, hey, kids, you know who could read you a story from 10 to 11 tomorrow on the State House lawn? The rainy Miss New Hampshire, Brooke Mills of Concord. That's right. She's going to be uh, conducting story time tomorrow at 10 on the State House lawn, right out in front of the State House in downtown Concord. Market days officially underway this morning in downtown Concord. Hey, did you hear? Hear the news? Marcus Smart is no longer a Boston Celtic. Folks, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. My dream has come true. <laughs> we'll take a break. We shall return with Neil Levesque of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College right after these words on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the highly anticipated return to the show of the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College, Neil Levesque. Neil, how are you this morning? I'm great. Beautiful sunny day here in New Hampshire. How can you not be better? Great. I, I, I tell you, Neil, I'm feeling on top of the world this morning. It was like I, I mentioned to my listeners earlier in the program. It's like Christmas in June for me because the Celtics traded Marcus Smart. <laughs> I don't care what they got in return for him. They traded Marcus Smart. It's addition by subtraction. <laughs> they did get a pretty good player in theory for him uh, in Kristaps Porzingis, but he's gone. I'm happy. So that made my entire day. No matter what happens, henceforth, it's a great day. Anyway, Neil, we, we haven't talked in a little while. And, and just, you know, just moments before you came on this morning, we have a new Republican presidential candidate. Right. Will Hurd. Will Hurd of Texas, yeah. Yeah, former Texas congressman. He was a CIA agent. Um, really interesting guy with an interesting background. Went into uh, Afghanistan undercover um, and and quite accomplished as a member of Congress. Well-known in political circles nationally. Maybe not so much, you know, with people who sort of work nine to five and, and not really focused all the time on politics. And but. we're more concerned about Marcus Smart than, than Will Hurt. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> <laughs> but he follows a long line of real, there's a lot of Republicans now who have gotten in or are attempting to get into the race for president. 
um, Suarez, Francis Suarez, the right. mayor of Miami. Well, well you, you know one. him pretty well, don't you, Suarez? Yeah, and Will Hurd. Will Hurd's yep. been up to the New Hampshire of politics. Uh, very interesting guy. Um, you know, as you since I think I've been on the show, we had Chris Christie come down to the Institute and announce for president. Um, Robert F. Kennedy was was at the um, college on uh, what is it Tuesday night Tuesday night um, with a seven hundred or more of his friends. Wow! Huge! Wow! Huge turnout! Man, where did you put them all? They had overflow rooms. Um, I walked outside and there was there was a line like four people deep. They had already the, like the auditorium was already sort of already almost filled up. There was four people deep as far as I could see. So let's say 400, 500 yards. I mean, it was just crazy. And a lot of interest in him. Uh, these were not political regulars. They were kind of people that yeah. that sort of have an interest in who Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is. And he's running, of course, against Joe Biden in the, Repub- in the Democratic nomination. Joe Biden's decided not to campaign for president. Um, at least here in New Hampshire and in other places, I guess there was a three minute video that he's announced for president, but, um, his top supporter said he didn't want to be embarrassed by actually campaigning because he wouldn't do well. So he's not going to campaign for president. I can't make this up. It sounds ridiculous, but you can't make it up if you wanted to. And, and so we have, a lot of people running on the Republican side and um, Robert F. Kennedy campaigning pretty hard in New Hampshire um, do you th- for president. Do you think Joe Biden would have drawn 700 people? No, I don't. <laughs> I think that Democrats nationally know that they've got a problem. And that problem is, is that the president, not only, I mean, when you're admitting your top supporter Clyburn is saying he can't campaign because he'd be embarrassed. Mm. That's a problem. I mean, it's basically, you know, you're into sports much more than me, obviously, but it's sort of like we've got the Super Bowl coming up and, uh, you know, Neil Levesque can't play and he's overweight, but we're going to (laughs) throw him out on the field and hope for the best. And, you know, you've got to have your top player if you want to if you want to be campaigning in this league. The Republicans are going to put up their top people. There's no doubt about it. And there's going to be a lot of energy because there's going to be a campaign on that side. Although incumbents always like to avoid uh, challengers in primaries, they do bring a lot of energy. And so it's what people are talking about. And what are we talking about now? We're talking about Chris Christie, Will Hurd. We're talking about Donald Trump. You know, DeSantis, all these people, and they they really create the narrative of the campaign because it's all they're going to be talking about. The ads are going to be about them, and there's not going to be anything on the other side. I mean, having the first lady go and cut ribbons on infrastructure projects um, is not really a campaign. And I'm not saying this to be partisan. I'm saying this because if you're a Democrat, you got to be concerned. Because this is what uh, is is going to be the, the the precursor for a disastrous 2024 election. 
Neil Levesque is, is with us. And, uh, Neil, you mentioned uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. getting uh, 700 folks at uh, the Institute the other night. Uh, I mean, he is really starting to gain some, some national traction. I mean, he's, what, at like 20% right now nationally? He was at 20% maybe five weeks ago. Um, we're in the field now, so we'll see what the latest polling comes back with. But here's the thing. Robert F. Kennedy has a, a very famous last name. There's a lot of people who have nostalgia uh, for the Kennedys. And he's certainly an accomplished person in his own right. However, let's, let's be honest, he does have some controversial issues that he has supported. Okay, so it's not like you have you know, a, a, a U.S. senator from Pennsylvania who's, you know, it's not a Bill Clinton 92 situation where you have a candidate who's, you know, an accomplished person all the way around. Um, this is not a candidate that necessarily um, wouldn't have some things in his background on issues that would be controversial. And the reason I point this out is that he's gaining, he's, he's got almost a quarter of all Democrats at this point. So they're ready to reject the sitting incumbent Repub- uh, president um, for a candidate that may not be the, the ideal candidate um, in a general election. So my point is that if a Democrat who, like an Amy Klobuchar type of candidate, mm-hmm. or a Newsom, governor of California, yep were to roll into New Hampshire, there would be, I think, I think the president would be in deep trouble at this point. Mm. But you really don't see that happening, do you? I mean, maybe maybe Newsom. I mean, that's kind of still kind of a long shot. I don't see Klobuchar, do you? Well, um, I point that out because she's run before and certainly well-known. My feeling is that every week that goes by, Democrats, more and more Democrats are sort of figuring out that the president um, is not a campaigner at this point, and that's a problem. Um, if you watched when he went to Pennsylvania last week, when they had the uh, U.S. senator from Pennsylvania and and Biden on the stage, it, it was really alarming. And, uh, you know, is it a theme for the future? Um, I don't know. So... I think that if you're a Democrat, you've got to be concerned about this because, again, um, they're not fielding candidates that are going to be in a good position to face the Republicans in 2024. Yeah, and now Biden is not he's not even entering the New Hampshire Democratic primary, correct? Correct. At yeah. this point in time. Now, yeah. Truman went through this, too, where he said, oh, that, that nothing nothing to that New Hampshire presidential primary. And then he went back and forth and said, should I put my name on? Shouldn't I? Should I? And then he did, and he got beat. I think that that could be the situation in New Hampshire where he doesn't do it. Now, they've given an extension. The Democratic Party, the party bosses, have said, well, New Hampshire can cater to us with a series of things, which, I mean, it's just ridiculous that our Republican governor would do anything. Even the Democrats in the statehouse would do anything to cater to party bosses in Washington. But um, if not, then they're going to give Delaware. That's right. The gov- the president's home state would now come second to South Carolina. Now, there's a tough, tough primary for you. Yeah, really tough. 
<laughs> oh, man. Neil Levesque is with us. Neil, can you uh, hang with us for a few more minutes? Yep. All yep. right. The executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. And we have other things to discuss as well when we continue right here. Kale and Company live on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are powered by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Neil Levesque with us, the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. And Neil, in a, in a perfect world for the, the Democrats, a perfect world, which we know it's not, uh, who, would, who would be their best candidate? Well, I think it's somebody, I won't say like a certain name, I, don't, I think, it's hard to pick, but I think it's somebody who has national name recognition and the ability to raise funds if it's either their funds or other funds. And I, I often make this comparison that Trump sort of had this, right? So he, he was well-known by the electorate nationally, and he certainly had his own funds. And he was outside the box, but um, being a celebrity and not an elected official. But I think somebody like that... Um, it could be an elected official, and I think that that wouldn't discount them, but somebody who had the ability to get right in because, you know, this election's coming up quick. And at, at this point, you know, the, the president and the White House are going to block any sort of activity from anyone getting into this race. And so the fear is, is that if a guy like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, were to get in, you know, Democrats nationally would just try to eviscerate him. And so some of these, the, the theory is that they are sort of hanging back saying, okay, how long until is this train wreck going to continue before we get in? It would be better if the president said, I'm not going to run, and then uh, they get in. So that's the theory. Um, I think a lot of Democrats want someone other than Biden because if you can't campaign and you're going to go up against a strong Republican in the general election. Right now, Donald Trump is leading in the polls by almost a two-to-one margin in, in the Republican primary, despite the fact that the 37 indictments, um, the, 30, the indictment with 37 counts uh, two weeks ago and, and other issues out there, he still is leading. And I think Democrats nationally probably at two in the morning, sit up in bed and say, oh, my God, what's the worst thing, the worst nightmare I just had is that Donald Trump just got reelected in 2024. And right now, if you look at the polling nationally, uh, he's going to beat Biden and uh, he's going to win the Republican nomination. So a lot of people are saying, well, that can't happen. There's plenty of time. And time is, of course, a terrible variable in politics. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, Donald Trump has been able to raise uh, millions upon millions of dollars even after those 37 indictments were announced last week. Absolutely. He, his, his, his support amongst Republicans has not wavered. And in fact, a lot of people believe in the Republican Party that it's a fight 
between Joe Biden's Justice Department trying to go after him for something that Biden did as well. So Biden had had these documents in his own house. So did Donald Trump. And they make the comparison. Uh, I'm not making that comparison. I'm just saying that that's what a lot of folks yeah. Uh, Natural. Natural. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. And and I think a lot of people are also thinking that a vote for Joe Biden uh, in the 2024 presidential election is really a vote for Kamala Harris. Because, no, I don't think there's anybody on God's green earth that thinks Joe Biden is going to finish two terms, let alone one. Well, there's one person and he's and he lives at 1600 yeah. Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. I guess that's the only um, one that matters, right? <laughs> you know, my mother, who's in her 80s, uh, she she told me, Neil, somebody giving up power in Washington is like the day that you come to me and say, I want your car keys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. And and she's got a point. She also said that she wouldn't vote for somebody over 70 years of old of age because she understands being in her 80s what it's all about yeah. um <laughs> two interesting observations yeah you know no, what was absolutely. that book everything you learned uh you learned in kindergarten well everything maybe i i need to know about politics i learned from my mom yeah there you go there you go in other issues the uh the john durham uh hearings uh, were held yesterday in, in the house and uh did you get a chance to see much of it I didn't, and you know, it. I think it's a little bit of a nothing burger. Just you know, the the deep state inquiries. Um, I think that if for people that are focused on this kind of thing, I think maybe they were tuned in. But um, I, I I did not watch them, and I'm I'm in the business, so yeah. <laughs> I might tell you something. And uh, well, and, we can't and, all have like a permanent C-SPAN going on in the in our house. At all times. <laughs> I hear you. I, I hear you. I, I, I don't know how many. I'm sure C-SPAN had them. I know Fox had them. Uh, did the other uh, all-news networks uh, carry the hearings? I don't know. Uh, I did not see them on the other news networks. But right after that, uh, after the hearings were, were concluded with uh, John Durham, uh, Adam Schiff, the Democrat from California, was censured. Uh, for all the uh, Russian-related uh, lies that uh, he, he's been spewing about Trump's involvement with Russia over the last uh, five or six years. So he was he was censured, but he said he, he wears it as a badge of honor. Right. And, you know, I think he's one of four people that have been censured, which didn't... I read that in the New York Times. Maybe it's, maybe it's the source, but... Um, that have been censured in this type of manner. Uh, you know, it's a tight Congress. I don't know what the final vote was, but Adam Schiff is definitely somebody who is uh, been visceral on the on the left against the former president, and um, and he says no bones about it. Obviously, by saying that he's wearing this on his sleeve. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's proud of it. It was I think it was two thirteen to two oh nine, as I recall, something like that. But uh, at any rate, he he said that he was. Uh, it, it meant that uh, he he was doing his job, uh, is what he said. But at, at any rate, <laughs> and uh, earlier this week, of course, uh, Hunter Biden got the ultimate slap on the wrist 
for uh, tax evasion and uh, buying guns when uh, he was out of it on drugs. Uh, and uh, can you imagine, Neil, can you imagine, I mean, even though he, he's not president any longer, hopes to be, but not any longer, can you imagine if the, these same things, the, these same stories were coming out about either Donald or Eric Trump, what, what, the, what the press would be like? Well, one of the big things here is not paying taxes on or a million dollars in taxes. I would be in jail. You would be in jail for that. Um, second, the big thing is this gun thing. Um, it's different, very difficult when the president, when there's a, a terrible shooting and the president gets up and he says, what we need more, is more gun laws that his own son didn't follow. Now, I know that he got he got the felony for the not checking the box saying that you were under the influence of drugs, but he was also, uh, there's a military question there, as we all know, uh, and there's a felony question there, as we all know. And here's the big thing. You, you may hear from both sides that there's a conspiracy in the media, and the media doesn't cover things they don't want to cover and stuff. Now, here is the Justice Department getting a plea from the president's son on an issue that was only printed, from what I know, in one publication, Politico. Politico ran the story about how he bought the handgun. They threw it away. I guess his, his sister-in-law threw it away in a trash can because he was going to do something with it. And how he bought the handgun, then the Secret Service showed up. This was after Biden was vice president, which means he had no Secret Service protection. What was the Secret Service doing? Going to the gun buyer or the gun dealer and asking for the forms, which the gun dealer did not turn over to the Secret Service, rightfully. You never turn those things over. Uh, No one's really looked into this. But the whole story was in Politico, and it's the only place I've ever seen that story. Mm, that's so, amazing. Yeah. So they, so if it was serious enough that he's going to plead guilty to it and that the Justice Department was going to investigate it, but it wasn't serious enough to actually get printed in any of the corporate media um, newspapers. I think Fox and, uh, and uh, Newsmax had it. But uh, in in addition to political, but uh, you know, it, not as if the Republicans needed any more resolve to investigate the Bidens. But that that slap on the wrist uh, certainly will uh, will inspire more in investigation. I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Neil, always enlightening, always uh, entertaining, and uh, we hope to have you back on the program in the not too distant future. Well, I hope to be back. There's a lot in politics oh, happening, man. so. No end to this, and uh, thank you, my friend. Who's the next to show up at the Institute? Uh, we're going to have a big announcement next week. Uh, it's going to be huge. Huge. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that a hint? Is that a hint? It's going to be huge. Huge, folks. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Thank you, Ken. All right. Neil Levesque, the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics. At St. Anselm College. I think you know what he's talking about when he says it's going to be huge, huge, folks. Well, if you missed it, we had huge news earlier today. Ladies and gentlemen, the departure of Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. That's right. Marcus Smart no longer 
a member of the Celtics. Get used to this name, Kristaps Porzingis. Yo, KP, for short. Thanks for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful first full day of summer. I know I am, and we hope you do too. Enjoy market days in downtown Concord for the next three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Hope the weather's good, and you get out and enjoy. Have some onion rings on onion, onion ring day, and have a great time. Thanks for listening. Drive home safely, and uh, we will see you tomorrow with the Friday Fun Bunch here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by... Northeast Delta Dental.